I'm a property investor as well myself. Um, bought my first property 15 years ago as a single lady um, and, uh, you know, built a portfolio myself as a single woman. And that's, I guess, a big part of um, why we wanted to write the book and myself personally was the fact that... Um, I guess practice what you preach, I suppose, in a way, and that, you know, I, I have done this. I am a female investor and um, have managed to navigate, um, you know, that creation of a, a you know, a quite moderate uh, portfolio as a single lady. I guess, um, look, as, as, as an investor, I started, I'm very, very boilerplate, to be honest, but on a personal level, I started very much in my early 40s. As a property investor, I was very typically, I'd been thinking about it for years, too scared, didn't want to lose money, but um, got the, got brave enough to do it, um, started investing and buying property together with my husband, who I am still with, 25 years going strong. And I, I really just started to think, why isn't everybody doing this? This can literally change your life. Welcome to Get Invested, the leading weekly podcast to help you unlock your full potential and enjoy your version of sustainable success that lies at the intersection of your three elves, yourself, your health, and your wealth. I'm your host and guide, Bushy Martin, and each week we go deep, sharing great conversations with proven experts in all walks of life, including the best investors, property experts, analysts, leaders, founders, sports stars, and health gurus, to uncover their secret know-how on where they invest their time, their skills and their money, and the benefits that this creates. To help you find out what it takes to break free from the grind and discover your flavour of freedom, to create your freedom formula. You see, the truth is that everyone invests. Every second of every minute of every day, we're investing our time, our skills, our energy and our money in something. Some of us are investing consciously, some unconsciously, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad, and sometimes for no impact. Get Invested will help you start living by design, not by default. I'm going to help you to make it happen, not let it happen. You'll hear the top tips on how you can live with conscious intent so that you can live more, work less, and live your legacy by investing now. You'll enjoy the stories and secrets of high performers who invest for success in every aspect of their lives and discover the top tips on how to get started how to make the most of your investment journey, and ultimately, to be living your dream, not someone else's. As you engage in each episode, you'll glean the information, inspiration, and implementation that you need to get empowered and get invested in imagining and actioning the life that you've always dreamed about. And Get Invested is proudly part of Property Hub, your home for property investment insights and inspiration. Make sure you subscribe now on your favourite podcast player to get every episode of Get Invested and Realty Talk, which is Australia's leading and longest running online property show that's full of red hot property investing news and insights direct from all of the industry leaders and influencers. You can also connect with me personally and join the Get Invested community of fellow freedom fighters at bushymartin.com.au or on knowhowproperty.com.au. Now, let's get invested. Hi, Freedom Fighters. Do you know a woman who's struggling to make ends meet? Maybe it's you. Perhaps she's concerned about her financial future or whether she's ever going to be able to afford to buy a property to call home. 
She might not be struggling financially now, but she worries about how she's going to maintain her financial independence long-term, or she's concerned about how she's going to fund her retirement. Or maybe she's nearing retirement and worrying that she'll have to go back to work or keep working until the day she drops. Or learn to survive on the smell of an oily rag as her income drops off the cliff when she tries to stop work. She may be your sister, your daughter, mother, auntie, mother-in-law, grandmother, cousin, work colleague, or a close friend. Chances are you personally know a number of these women, even if you're not aware of their personal situation. Because unfortunately, the gender pay gap and maternity leave, alongside increasing rates of divorce and separation, mean that one in three women stop work with no retirement savings at all, and those that do manage to save often end up with less than half the retirement funds of we mere males. With half of all marriages ending in divorce, and many women remaining the primary caregivers to their children, there's increasing numbers of women winding up homeless after a relationship breakdown or in their twilight years because they haven't been able to buy a home of their own or create their own financial independence. Now, these are quite shocking statistics in this day and age. So what can hardworking Aussie women and men do about it? Yes, you guessed it, get invested in property. But this is easier said than done where most investment books are written by men for men in a male-dominated environment, where the focus is on head-driven logic and rational thought, where there's a constant reference to cutting out your heart, thinking with your head, and just focusing on the numbers. Not surprisingly, this approach doesn't warm to most women who are nurturers by nature and are heart-driven. And this is a very important distinction. As the Greek philosopher Aristotle pointed out thousands of years ago, we're all influenced to different degrees by three modes of persuasion, logos, pathos, and ethos. Where logos is about rational facts, logic, and reason, which leans towards the male tendency for head thinking. Pathos is about the appeal of our emotions, which is more in kindred with the heart approach of women, and ethos, which is about our ethics, trustworthiness, and our character. And good decision-making and sustainable success is a balance of all three. It's why the combination of the collaborative approach of my awesome wife, Sonia, and I is so powerful, where one plus one equals 11, not two, because good decisions are a head and heart balance of the yin and the yang. And as my wife, Sonia, has taught me, we need to nurture our money and our investments like they're another member of our family, to care for them, keep an eye on them, give them tough love when needed, and support and guide them to grow and prosper so that they can look after us in our golden years. So where do women go to find investment knowledge that's better suited to their caring way in the world? Well, up until recently, nowhere. But this has all now changed with the release of the great book, The Female Investor that has just won the prestigious and highly contested Best Personal Finance Investment Book Award at this year's Australian Business Book Awards, or ABBAs as they're affectionately referred to, of which I'm also a proud winner a couple of years ago and now an ongoing ABBA judge. And we're very privileged and excited that the co-authors are now joining us on the show today to share their, share their wealth of wisdom. Now, if you're a bloke, this is not a signal to tune out and switch off because the principles and practices contained in this great book are just as relevant, if not more so, to male investors, because we need to learn to balance the books in terms of the delicate and fine line between our head and our heart. So listen up, fellas. But before we get into it, 
Let me give you a quick rundown on the female investors co-authors. Nicola McDougall is a successful property investor, business owner, award-winning journalist, and she's the current chair of the Property Investment Professionals of Australia that's doing great things for the industry under her guidance, including the recent scrapping of the proposed Queensland interstate investor land tax hike. She's also the former editor of the Australian Property Investor magazine and the co-founder of Bricks and Mortar Media that's resulted from her involvement in property research, analysis and reporting since way back in 2006. Her partner in crime and co-author is award-winning property mentor, Kate Hill, who's a qualified property investment advisor and buyer's agent. Kate enjoys many years first-hand experience researching real estate and making hundreds of successful property purchases for her clients. And of note, many of Kate's fabulous female clients are living proof that women of all ages, backgrounds and circumstances can invest in property successfully. So if you want to enjoy an easy step-by-step -step guide on how to safely, easily and affordably secure your financial future, whether you're a female, a male or any other gender, the female investor is a great place to start. So to unpack it, let's get invested and welcome Nicola and Kate. Hello there. <laughs> Honoured Thanks, Bushy. What an intro. I Thank know. You. Wow. <laughs> well, it's a it's a, an intro uh, deserved of a fantastic book, guys. I oh. really want to congratulate you both on on a, an awesome effort. It's uh, as I've sort of said off air, it was very hotly contested with some really good quality books. So it's a, a real achievement in what you've done in that regard. But to, before we sort of dive into that subject in some detail soon, I'd, I'd like you both individually to give us a bit of a rundown on what you do differently and most importantly, why you do what you do. So perhaps we'll start with yourself, Nicola, on that one. Oh, well, thank you, Bushy. Well, I, um, you know, wear a number of hats, I suppose. Sometimes I wonder if I wear too many. But anyway, I manage to keep the balls in the air most, most of the time. Um, um, in regards to obviously my career, you know, I've been involved in property investment uh, as a journalist uh, for, yeah, well, God, what about 16 years now as well. Um, as you know, now I have bricks and mortar media. I've been on the board of Pippa uh, for eight years. And at the start of this year, was very proud to be named um, its chair. So that's been amazing. And it has, as you mentioned, Bushy in the intro, um, been a very interesting year in the property space for a bunch of reasons, uh, including the Queensland land tax and the very successful industry campaign that I was a part of. Um, I'm a property investor as well myself. Um, bought my first property 15 years ago as a single lady um, and, uh, you know, built a portfolio myself as a single woman. Um, and then I got married a few years ago and am now adding to sort of creating, a, I guess, a secondary portfolio with my husband um, whilst retaining uh, the properties that I purchased uh, prior to my relationship with him uh, independently of my relationship. Um, and that's, I guess, a big part of um, why we wanted to write the book and myself personally was the fact that um, I guess practice what you preach, I suppose, in a way and that, you know, I, I have done this. I am a female investor and um, have managed to navigate um, you know, that creation of a, a you know, a quite moderate uh, portfolio as a single lady, but then also now joining forces with my husband and doing stuff together in the years ahead while still retaining my financial independence um, from him. So that's kind of what I've been up to the last few years in a very short potted history. Yeah, I love that. Uh, just before I get Kate to do the same, uh, what's your why, Nicola? Why do you do what you do? 
Um, personally, um, look, I suppose my family history has played a big part um, in why I have achieved what I have achieved in regards to property investment and professionally as well. Um, my grand, I'm the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, daughter of a man, uh, one of my fabulous father who um, owned his own business, was a property investor. He was the son of his father, my grandfather, who was a business owner and a, and a property investor in New Zealand way back in the day. He was actually uh, did a little bit of commercial real estate investment as well. And, and um, certainly from when I was a young child, um, we did talk about finance quite a bit um, in, in our family. Um, it was never, you know, seen as a dirty word, as we mentioned in one of the chapters in the book. Um, so now I think about it, it's only probably the last year or two, whilst we've had BMM for five years now, um, you know, I have kind of rinsed and repeat that, repeated that because here I am, the third generation um, of my family so far. Well, actually, I think there's a number of generations before that, actually, that um, were successful in, in business as well. But, um, you know, the third generation from my grandfather down um, who have been property, have, who've not only been property investors, but also have been business owners as well. So I think I learned a lot at the kitchen table um, throughout the throughout my childhood um, and that probably informed, even with, whether I knew it was informing me or not, um, I guess it was always, you know, watching and learning uh, when I was younger and never being afraid um, of investing in property, never being afraid of, of growing my career and ultimately, you know, setting up my own business because um, that was something that I had witnessed firsthand uh, when I was younger and something certainly that had been a successful strategy or successful strategies uh, in my family history. Yeah, love it, love it. It's the the old kitchen table. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's got a, a lot to uh, be responsible for, and it's great that yours was good. Let, Kate, uh, I'd love for you to sort of give us a, a rundown on what you do differently, and and again why you do what you do. Mm. Nick, you're a tough act to follow, mate. Um, <laughs> I would also just like to, if I'm allowed to do this, um, add to something that I think Nicola does differently to a lot of others is that as a Certainly as a journalist, um, what I find so refreshing and bloody damn right wonderful is that she is very keen and good at actually getting the facts right as well, if I can put it like that with her experience so in the property industry. You know, there's a lot of misinformation out there and I it's, you know, one of the many, many, many things that has drawn me to her and keeps me like welded to her side is um <laughs> is that um that passion and belief in in getting real accurate and quality information out to people as a journalist you don't always find that yeah so, um yeah um 100 agree with yeah. you the, the biggest <laughs> frustration of mine too by the way and mm. so refreshing to yeah yeah but, the um, facts, not, yeah not the fear yeah love that but, go on Kate. i know but back to me um gosh where, <laughs> what do i do differently i guess um look as 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 an investor i started i'm very very boilerplate to be honest per, on a personal level i started very much in my early 40s as a property investor i was very typically i'd been thinking about it for years too scared i didn't want to lose money but um got the got brave enough to do it um started investing and buying property together with my husband who I am still with 25 years going strong and 
I I really just started to think, why isn't everybody doing this? You know, I really, I felt like I was the only one in my circle of friends or really anyone that I knew apart from that sort of group I was involved with investing who was doing this. So I became a bit of an advocate and just started to think I want to do this for a living and got myself qualified and, you know, gathered experience working in the industry while I was getting my my various licenses and also my qualified property investment advisor um, qualification, which was hugely important to me because it's unfortunately still quite rare. I, I know, I mean, Nicola can talk a bit more about this too, but that there are, there's not that many of us out there when you consider the number of property professionals working in our country, but, you know, it's not, it's not a Red, red, um, recognized asset class by ASIC. So it's a bit of a free for all out there. Anyone yes. can, you know, call themselves a property investment advisor. So it was important to me to get qualified, um, but also have the experience. Because again, you know, you can be qualified and literally have been at it for 10 minutes. You cannot be qualified, been at it for 10 minutes and go and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars of someone else's money. So I, uh, I think what I try and do differently, and this is going to sound really cheesy, but I am very keen on getting to know the clients really well, getting to know their risk profile um, so that the property that we buy in any great growth area, we're looking at macro and micro decisions, but that we're focusing on buying that in that great growth area, but keeping in mind the client's needs. It's not a cookie cutter approach. They have to, you know, it's their money. So we need to balance that in making that investment decision with suiting the client's needs so that they can hold it for the long term and they do feel warm and fuzzy when they think about it. They're not worried. Then they they get to hold it for the long term. And, and really the reason why is, again, it's horribly cheesy, but I just, it, it, it all comes back to my own motivation. You know, why isn't everyone doing this? This can literally change your life. And I'll have always wanted to help it, help other people get there. That that's all it boils down to. I just I want to help people. I know what it can do for them. I want to be that sort of reassuring voice, expert reassuring voice that helps them and guides them to do this properly and safely, but with exceptional rewards at the end of it. That's 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 as succinctly as I can put it. <laughs> Lovely, yeah, no, beautiful, <laughs> beautifully said. And and you're absolutely right. It, it never ceases to amaze me how. Uh, people aren't doing it. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's a it's a bit of an industry challenge to open people's eyes to uh, the opportunity that's that's staring them in the face in that regard. Mm-hmm. But hey, uh, guys, I'd, I'd love to sort of get you both to unpack your own property journeys uh, in a bit of a reader's digest fashion, sort of focusing on firstly why property uh, versus other things, and then talk to us about the highs and lows uh, along your journey and the the strategy that you've been been adopting. So Kate, do you want to sort of continue with that and then then we'll get Nicola to do the same? Yes. So I started, I brought over uh, from the UK. I've been here for uh, 17 odd years now to in Australia. So we brought a a fair amount of equity cash with us to um, Australia. We bought a property to live in, in Adelaide at the time. And with the equity that we had from having purchased that property, I decided that property was the way to go because at the time it just purely it just felt safe. You know, it's it's and I know I'm not a, you know a lot of people think that I'm not alone in that. Um, I didn't really feel like I understood the share market. I didn't 
feel like I had time to, while I'm working for a living, you know, always pushed for time. Property seemed like the, I don't want to say easier option, but it, to me, it matched my risk profile. It, it was, it was, it felt like the safer option. Um, and with there being two of us, we both agreed that that was the way forward. Yep. Um, I didn't also just want to put my money into someone else's hands. You know, I wanted to be true to my control freakish self and <laughs> <laughs> take charge, but be involved and learn. Right. So I wanted to know why we were doing what we were doing and, you know, learn by doing as well. So I knew that it wasn't always going to be perfect. I bought the first three properties relatively quickly. They were very low price properties at the time. So this would have been maybe 12 years ago, I think. Um, in, in terms of they were literally, I think I bought the first one for $237,000. Oh, in Adelaide? In, no, no, no. Outside Newcastle, actually. Okay. So it was all about yep. interstate, finding a good cash flow. At the time, I was very cash flow focused because my husband is self-employed. Um, I was, I think at the time, part-time working part-time. So I was very, I was concerned about cash flow. I didn't want it to the properties that we own to cost us a lot of money. Yeah. So I was mindful to get good yields, but obviously have good growth as well. But at the time I was, now that I look back on it, I can absolutely say I was too cash flow focused. I, I should, I should have. And I, again, I say this with hindsight. Um, I'm very good at also saying to myself, no, that was right. It was right at the time but I was too cash flow focused. I wasn't focused enough on doing the research properly and, um, and, and, I, and, and, and making sure that all the growth drivers were there. I think I talked myself into buying in a couple of the areas that we, that I did because the cash flow was so good. Yeah. Um, not, that, not unusual though. No, because of the, know. You know, we don't know what we don't know when we start no, out. No, that's right. But I, I think at the time, I, I was sort of being mentored and I got help um, and nobody said at the time, hey, just watch that, you know, there's a bit of a danger sign here. But but that's, you know, you live and learn and that's what I wanted to do. So the, um, and then, so I think I bought three in the first year, sort of two in the second year, and then I was on hold for a couple of years, just borrowing capacity wise. And then I built up a bit of equity. I bought another couple. So I've got eight in total now scattered across the four winds. A mm, couple of them are in Queensland mining towns, which are the ones that I have very much since regretted doing, where the yields were awesome at the time. I guess we can come back about <laughs> worst, good and good, bad stories, yes, perhaps a bit later. But it overall, will. the strategy has very much been for me to to buy not high priced ones it's not my risk profile i've been very aware of what what purchase price i'm comfortable at yeah having a cash flow that i can afford but diversify for long term buy and hold that's that's what it's always been and that's what i will always stick to so Love it. yeah, Love it. yeah. Mm. Extremely well done, and 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 again, the, the important thing here, and it's it's something that I really want the the listeners to tune into, is the fact that our our strategies actually evolve a little bit with our yeah. knowledge and our comfort levels. <laughs> so what mm. we start out with that doesn't necessarily mean where we're going to end up. And, and just a little bit you've touched on there already mm. really highlights that. That mm. uh, as your knowledge grows, your comfort grows, and as, as the more knowledge you have, the less risk there is, and and that it tends exactly. to shape the exercise down yeah. the track. 
Yeah. That's brilliant, Kate. Uh, Nicola, take us on on uh, the Reader's Digest of your personal investment journey with the highs and lows. Oh, thanks so much, Bushy. Um, yeah, I um, I spent all of my 20s, uh, well, not all of it, a fair portion of my 20s uh, gallivanting around the world, getting into <laughs> adventures. Uh, remember <laughs> some of it. Um, had a wonderful time. Um Lived in, I actually even lived in a kibbutz in Israel. Awesome. Uh, was supposedly for six weeks, but I lived there for six months. Lived in London, did a lot of traveling, all those sort of things. Then I went back to university when I was in my mid 20s and did my journalism degree. So, safe to say, my whole of my 20s, I was broke as a joke, but I was having a very, very good time. And as a writer, um, always been a writer since I was, since I could hold a pen or a pencil back in the day. You know, I, I would those those experiences were invaluable to me. So I'm just going to you know say that. Uh, yeah. By the time I finished my degree, um, I worked as a journalist for a couple of years at a daily newspaper. Uh, and by this stage, I was in Australia. And then I um, went back to New Zealand for a little bit and worked as the editor of a small paper. And then as soon as I came back to Australia again in 2006. I was super keen to buy a property as soon as possible. So I was 32 at the time. Um, so pretty much as soon as I actually started earning decent money, like because I hadn't ever really earned a reasonable wage um, by choice, um, I was hellbent on purchasing my first property. Um, so literally, and when I came back to Australia, I um, applied for a position as the temporary communications coordinator at the Real Estate Institute of Queensland. Supposedly, it was for seven months. I ended up staying for seven years, seven and a half years, um, and was the head of their corporate affairs department by the time I left. However, I digress. Um, within six months of me starting at that role, when I was earning 60 grand at the time, I could not believe how much money I was earning. However, my hex debt took a little bit of it. Um, I was super keen to buy a property. Now, at the time, by this stage, it was 2007 and the Brisbane market was going mental. Um, I had a smallish deposit. Um, and even though I was like so super stoked to be earning 60 grand a year, um, it still wasn't enough. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't secure enough finance to actually, you know, secure to buy anything where I wanted or what I thought I wanted. Yep. Um, did a lot of research, obviously, because I was working at the REIQ and uh, came across a, um, a uh, I think my, the townhouse was probably about five or six years old um, at that point um, in a middle ring gentrifying suburb of Brisbane. Um, at the same time, my younger brother, who was 10 years, who is 10 years younger than me, um, was told that he needed to vacate his rental property. And one day, probably over a few beers, we, we decided that, you know what, he needed somewhere to live, I needed somewhere to live. I was keen on buying. Um, and so we went tenants in common and bought this uh, three-bedroom, three-bathroom townhouse uh, for $350,000. Um, it seemed extraordinarily expensive at the time. Um, we uh, lived there together for a number of a couple of years, um, after about two or three years, he wanted to sell. I didn't. Um, I bought him out of that property and retained it in my portfolio. Um, a few years later, by this stage, I was still at the REOQ. Oh, look, you know, a bit like uh, Kate's mining town story. 
And look, until that point, I was working at the REIQ still. I knew a lot about real estate, not a lot about property investment. And while that townhouse has done very well, did do very well, um, and I kind of knew what I was doing. Um, and my strategy was, and it still probably is, I guess, to a degree, um, buy the best that I can, you know, and, and the best locations I can, given that most of the time I was buying on a single, you know, single income. Yeah. Um, so, but unfortunately, in 2012, I somehow got on the radar of a developer and um, I ended up buying a one-bedroom uh, unit off the plan in South Brisbane. Um, the only good thing about that was that I did manage to get in early and I got the top floor. Um, in the ensuing years after that, um, the property, look, I've still got it in my portfolio because it's only relatively recently, the last year or two, that it's actually worth more than what I paid for it. Yep. Um, I have a lot of tales of woe as well attached to that property. Um, however, I turned that into an investment property. I became a rent vista by that stage. Um, my other property, uh, my townhouse was rented out. And then if I think about within two years, of that, no, within a year of that um, being completed off the plan, I was super keen to buy another home to live in. I love West End, which is an inner city Brisbane suburb of, uh, inner city suburb of Brisbane. Um, and I spent some, and by this stage, I was the editor of Australian Property Investor Magazine. So needless to say, I had a huge learning curve from learning more about property investment and I was, and I was first time was actually probably earning, you know, quite a good wage by that stage as the editor. Um, and so I pushed go again, but thankfully this time I, um, I in this very desirable gentrified part of Brisbane, I managed to secure a beautiful Art Deco um, apartment, um, which was my home for about five years. So. Um, did that one also because obviously the Brisbane market and I haven't diversified out of southeast Queensland, um, but that one has done particularly well for me during COVID. I had a bunch of agents um, trying to get me to to sell it, uh, but I didn't. And then uh, last year, um, eighteen months ago, uh, my husband and I by this stage had moved to um, the Sunshine Coast. Uh, we were renting, all my other properties were rented out. We decided to um, buy a, a house in, the, in a hinterland suburb here on the Sunshine Coast, but with development potential. So we purchased a um, high-set uh, 1950s cottage on a 1,009 square metre block um, in the Sunshine Coast hinterland, of which I'm talking to you from now. Um, it has a development awesome. potential of uh, well, anywhere up to, you know, four, four townhouses or it's a splitter. It can be the problem was we sit here and go, what are we going to do with it? Um, our intention was to, and my husband is a tradesman, he, um, I, I project managed the renovation of it, um, but my husband did all of the hard work. So now it was this wonderful retro cottage. Our plan was to purchase something else as well. Um, however, interest rates have uh, rising interest rates have put paid to that for the next six months anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of the potted history. I hope I didn't wrap it on too long. No, that's great. It gives us a, a really good rundown. I'd, what I'd like to do then, uh, and, and again, I'll, I'll jump back to you, Kate, is, is to just to give us 
a bit of a, if you look back on your investment journey so far, what's mm. been your best and your worst investment and, and what have you learned from both of them? Well, gosh, I, I think I would find it hard to pick the best one. It's easy to pick the worst ones. <laughs> uh, my two Queensland mining towns, um, they were, like I said earlier, you know, they were pure cash flow purchases. I think I talked to myself, I did all the research, area research on both locations. I really, I think I persuaded myself that they were diverse areas. There was other stuff going on besides mining. I think I, I wanted to make them work. I didn't look at it objectively. Um, that's what I've learned. So, you know, since then, because at the time, again, I purchased sort of low, mid, mid to high 200s, was getting 480 or something a week rent. And then literally two years later, the rents plummeted, the values plummeted. Um, it is getting better, but I, you know, they're still not worth what I paid for them 10 years ago. Yeah. And, um, but the other properties in the portfolio. So overall, the portfolio, you know, makes a makes an income, it's all cash flow positive. Um, but I made I, you know, you learn as you go. And the I guess the best ones are just the ones in areas It's all the others, really, I can't literally, I would I would find it hard to pick between the other six, because they are all in good areas you know newcastle morton bay regional big, big ballarat i'll say that um yep i don't want to kind of sound like i'm recommending these areas necessarily no no you no. know it was kind of good good for me at the time um and because i purchased in areas that were diverse they weren't just one horse towns when it comes to industry like typically a mining town is there's lots of other stuff going on and um, and the, the the yields have grown. They've they've all doubled in value easily, um, and and the yields have been uh, growing steadily as well. There's none of that volatility of roller coastering up and down, um, yeah. as 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 you do get with these like like a mining town. It doesn't have to be mining, right? It can be agriculture. Can we can get into that later? But yes. um, yeah, so hard to pick the best one. I think they're all vying for the top place, apart from my two problem children. Really good sign, really good sign there. If uh, the others are performing really mm. well, and I think I, you know, again, a, a really good lesson from what you've just yeah. said, mentioned a couple of times now is, is persuading yourself, mm -hmm. uh, because we all have a bias. Once we make yeah. a decision, we we post justify why that decision is mm -hmm. a good one, and yeah. and then therefore the all of the the right information goes out the window uh, when it comes to that. So it's a, a, a really appreciate you sharing that. Kate, so that's a great learning for all of us in that regard. But what about you, Nicola? I'm guessing your worst is probably that one bedroom unit that you got from the developer. But uh, oh, yeah. tell us, tell us the story about the good and the bad. Uh, yeah, so definitely the the one one better look. You know, obviously uh, since the COVID, um, it has finally obvious uh, you know increased in value quite a bit, but it didn't do anything for 10 years. So, you know, the annual growth would be like if it was 1%. Um, it's, it's, it's actually got very strong cash flow these days. Um, you know, the mortgage is quite low. But, yes, definitely that one, and that was an emotional purchase. So, unsurprisingly, um, you know, I, and we're talking about, you know, 2012. So, as I said, I wasn't working at API then, but I fell for all of the sales techniques um, that they used. The sales agent was very handsome. 
as well. (laughs) I was a single lady in my 40s, so, you know, you know. Um, So that one, definitely the problem child. I still don't know what I'm going to do with it. I mean, obviously now it's finally doing something, but, um, yeah, I... It was empty once for 10 weeks, man, like it was empty mm. when we had that big oversupply happen. And look, it is a premier building and it is in a nice location and I'm convincing myself here. But, um, it, um, yeah, it, it has caused a world of hurt um, over the years, I suppose. Um, now yeah. it's, it doesn't, but I don't know if I, yeah, I wish I had, you know, spent that money for $125,000, which was a lot of money back 10 years ago. I could have bought, you know, mm. a house quite close to the, reasonably close to the city or at least in the middle ring anyway in Brisbane. Um, the yeah. best performer is the property that I bought the least emotionally, which is the one here on the Sunshine Coast hinterland. Um, I, by that stage, clearly have been involved in property investment strategies, research analysis for nearly 10 years. Um, So this was a very strategic play. It was um, the Sunshine Coast market clearly has had boom conditions. However, it was still quite along the coastline and things like that. And and I know the hinterland, there's a number of major infrastructure projects happening out here and things like that. Obviously, there's a huge amount of um, small development potential. So, you know, this was a this was definitely okay. Where are the locations where we can buy at a certain price point that has you know significant development and p- potential in the future? And, and Palmwoods was one of the ones that I identified, and we literally bought it on the spot. Um, we've learned later. I knew that the purchase price was quite low, and we've learned later that actually it was quite under market at the time um, but we've made 60% capital growth in 18 months um, clearly that's just not from location selection and we rose you know we rode the market up but um, you know it was yeah I'd have to see hand on heart even though I still love my art deco place in Brisbane um, which has ex- you know experienced strong growth as well um, that was an emotional purchase bought as my home and now it's an investment property but this one was the one that I can hand on heart and as I say the reason why Kate and I wrote this book together is that while you know I write about property a, a lot and I'm a you know finance journalist a property journalist I'm the chair of Pippa I am not a qualified property investment advisor I'm not a buyer's agent so I always wanted to write the book with Kate because she is she has much more knowledge than I do um and I guess over the years I've learned from all of the people that I've worked with um and hopefully this time the fourth one fourth time's a charm right um <laughs> hopefully this one um you know I got well it's, it, it certainly appears that I've got it right let's be honest and prices here actually is quite interesting are still holding up so uh we're still seeing some reasonable price growth out this way um compared to other locations on the Sunshine Coast yeah beautiful and it sells story uh, while the mainstream media gets tied up with uh, property markets that don't exist and 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 median prices which are at, at best misleading uh quality always stands the test of time because uh, if people want it and it's in short supply and the sentiment's right, then uh, it, it's always going to do well. So uh, I love that. Uh, really appreciate you sharing. And, and again, uh, what I'm hearing uh, as you're talking about that, Nicola, is as your knowledge uh, of the whole investment piece and probably generally improve your decision-making change and, and what you're doing changed. Uh, so uh, the good thing is, uh, you know, I often say to people, the best thing you can do is do something. 
uh, and and it doesn't have to be perfect, but you will learn from it. And as it as it sort of evolves, then uh, things even get better as you go along. But um, what I'd love love your thoughts, and if you if you both reflect back on your own property journeys so far, if you were starting out again now, uh, Kate, what what would you invest in differently, if anything? I wouldn't be investing in regional Queensland mining <laughs> towns. <laughs> I- <laughs> What I would do differently is not to be, I wouldn't make cash flow the number one priority. I'd make it a priority, but not the number one priority because it clouded my judgment as to where capital growth is to be found. And you can have a good, the cash flow is great so that you can hold the property for long term, but it's never going to sustain you um, and give you financial freedom. It's capital growth that's going to do that as well as debt reduction. So you need capital growth when you when you get turbocharged capital growth like we have done in so many locations in the past two years that is going to change your life the cash flow just needs to sustain you while that happens that's what i would do differently love it love it what about you nicola yeah i um clearly wouldn't have um you know kind of fallen in love with that sales agent from that developer (laughs) um you know uh however look it's hard to it's kind of it's a wee bit hard to answer that bushy because if I think back now on that townhouse that I bought, which was, you know, I did actually do a lot of research on that and I bought the best that I could given that I was single and the price points that I was able to, you know, purchase in. But let's, and, and I did, you know, get, um, you know, a quite quick increase in equity in that place, which allowed me to, to I think I borrowed against it twice, actually. Um, however, given my time again, I would have spent that three hundred and fifty thousand, or maybe pushed our budget up to four hundred thousand with my brother and bought a house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in a close to the city as I could. X X Y Z. I mean, I you know generally have um, bought units um, for some reason. You know, obviously the off the plan one was just uh, all of the bad reasons that I've outlined, and the Art Deco one, um, whilst you know clearly a superior unit. Um, often I've bought them because I've wanted to live in them. And I do actually kind of, it's kind of weird, man. Like I've got <laughs> living on this big block of land now and things like that. And I generally have spent most of my adult life living in units because I I don't like gardening. I don't, you know, I'm not a lawnmower <laughs> person. Both. <laughs> yeah. And so now we've got this huge, you know, huge chunk of dirt and I'm just like, oh my God, where's my little unit gone again? Um, but um, yeah, so it is that if I had my time again, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't have invested any earlier because I, you know, stand by the great experiences I had in my twenties. Um, yeah. But as soon as I was able to purchase, I did. But I, I would have bought, you know, maybe a, a little house, you know, in, in Mount Gravatt or something like that, or you know, Holland Park probably back in the day, um, which probably would have allowed me to uh, build a sort of a portfolio that would be a bit more robust with houses than units. Love it, love it. We're going to break our great conversation with Nicola and Kate here. So stay tuned for part two next week, where we're going to deep dive into their award-winning book, The Female Investor, that's just as relevant to we mere males as it is for the fairer sex. And their great book has just won the Best Personal Finance and Investment Book at this year's Australian Business Book Awards, which I'm also a humble past winner for my book, Get Invested, which you can get for free now at knowhowproperty.com.au or bushymartin.com.au.
And make sure you also subscribe to Property Hub on your favourite podcast player, and you'll get two powerful episodes of both Get Invested, along with Australia's longest-running and most popular property show, Realty Talk, delivered to you each and every week. So remember to always get invested in your knowledge before you get invested in property, and I'll look forward to joining you again here on Nova FM's Property Hub for part two next week. Thanks for getting invested. Now, here's three easy ways you can take action to start making it happen, to ensure you build momentum and start living by design, not default, so that you're following your freedom formula. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, and keep the weekly inspiration coming. Secondly, get a copy of my book, Get Invested, for free, and find out what it takes for you to invest in living more and working less. Just visit bushymartin.com.au forward slash books, or knowhowproperty.com.au, or click on the links in the show notes. And thirdly, join me and the Get Invested community. Each month, I send a free and exclusive email full of practical self-health and wealth wisdom that our current Freedom Fighter subscribers can't wait to get. Just visit bushymartin.com.au, scroll to the bottom of the page, and sign up. And there you have it. In three easy steps, you're on your way to dusting off your forgotten dreams and making them a reality. Get Invested is proudly part of the Property Hub, your home for property investment insights and inspiration. When you subscribe to the show, you get all of your Get Invested episodes, along with Realty Talk, Australia's longest running and leading online property show for red hot property investing news and insights direct from all of the industry leaders and influencers. And finally, feel free to connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, as I'd love to hear your feedback, your inspiration, your ideas, and your questions and queries anytime. Thanks for listening. Hear you next week. And as always, dream as if you'll live forever and live as if the day's your last. Music